0: Section 5 of An Itinerant House and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Maria Garnell An Itinerant House and Other Stories by Emma Frances Dawson A Stray Reveler The picture which was a prophecy who hath known the ways and the wrath the sleepless spirit the root and blossoms of evil will which is the room and which is the picture I asked my friend aura when she received me after my long absence abroad during which I heard she had fallen heir to a fortune but found her looking pinched and wan The picture filled nearly one side of the room, which was arranged as an exact copy of it, even having a lattice window opening lengthwise, put in to match the painted one. Carpet, Navajo rugs, chairs, tables, draperies were alike. A strip of carpet hid the lower part of the frame, so that one might fancy he saw double parlors instead of one room and a painting. The screen in the room stood at just such an angle as just such a screen stood in the painted scene. Tall Japanese faces, low bookcase, hanging shelves filled with rare, odd trifles were all thus doubled. Yes, she said, seeing me glance to and fro. I felt impelled to copy everything painted there and to banish all my room held before. That knotted rope under glass in the mantel? Well, no. That was neither in the picture nor here. Till now. The fact is, I hold the property penniel left me only by keeping that there. Two of his friends, Dacre and Chatram, received bequests on condition of calling here unexpectedly at irregular intervals to see that I let it remain always in my sight. I don't like it there. Nor I... But there's nothing puzzling about it, as about the picture, finished just before he, he died. That is a legacy I've often pondered over. Why did they call it prophetic? I always wonder where the window in it looks, and that inner door ajar, showing a banquet scene. Is it a Christmas revel? One of the female figures resembles you. Why? It is meant for you don't don't say so it makes me uneasy and angry too for i will not believe in the mystic nonsense of a scribbling painting and acting tribe yet you always let them hang round you because they are amusing often handsome and sometimes have money but few come now except chatram and dacre in their uncertain visits I'm no longer gay enough company. Pshaw, <sighs> as if the influence of one who is dead could thus last. If not, how could there be so many true tales of curses which have followed individuals or families through generation after generation? I never used to believe any such thing. I am forced to keep the picture under the terms of Peniel's will, and I cannot help studying it. Did Peniel paint it? Yes. He put me in that festive scene because I am yet alive. He once spoke of ghosts as stray revelers after life's banquet. The vacant seat beside me was to signify his absence. Not eternal, he wrote. I shall come back when you least expect it. You make me shiver. Let us talk of other things. What a pretty inlaid table. Wild fowl flying over a marsh, isn't it? Ah, uh, it's just like that one in the picture. Even to a manuscript lying upon it spread open under a horseshoe paperweight. You see, said Aura, one drifts inevitably to that painting. What the manuscript there represents, I have often asked myself. The one beside you, Dacre wrote, read it. It was title a flight of fancy in single file wild ducks drift by dyed red by western glow belated swallows lonely fly and strange birds trooping go though flown from forest pine remote or from near orchard pear, along the water depths they float as on the heights of air the lake with mirror surface spread bronzed by the day's bright close, to each wayfarer overheard a shadowy double shows ah thus reflected in my soul what flitting moments will stray from hidden source ancestors dole or sunshine of my day Fantastic shapes, that circling throng, some charming, some unblessed. I snare one in this fragile song. I cannot count the rest. I made another effort to divert her mind. What is behind your lovely screen? I asked. Nothing. What is behind that one? she asked, pointing to the pictured one. That question haunts me like the indefinite meaning of some passage in Browning or Rossetti. What have you learned by your study of it? What do you discover by examining that screen near you? Masses of interwoven flowers retrailing vines and lights and shadows athwart the whole. Who painted it? Chatrim. And while he was doing it, he and i suddenly detected amid those apparently random dashes of color eleven letters look again begin at the lower left-hand corner and cross diagonally here are lilies at the valley then acholceus a branch of xanthoxylim fraxenium tuberoses azaleas lobelia, iris lilies oleander blossoms neapolitan violets ictia lilies and stephanotis flowers well don't you see two words not merely spelled by the first letter of the plant's names as the old-fashioned regard rings were set with ruby emerald garnet amethyst ruby and diamond but by looking carefully you can discern in the seemingly careless spray or cluster The letter in indistinct and fanciful form. As she spoke, and I gazed at the screen, I was surprised to distinguish so plainly now the words Lex Talionis, so skillfully placed as to elude a careless glance. The law of revenge, I cried. Was this more of your old coquetries? No, I did not tire of Peniel as usual. He had one charm all my other lovers had lacked. A stronger will than mine. I looked at her inquiringly. When you went away, you remember I was starving. Gently starving. I met Peniel. He was engaged to an heiress. I reasoned with myself that she did not need his money as I did. I used every art to win him from her. Oh, Aura, I did, I did. I may own it now, since both are dead. Both? Yes. He broke the engagement on account of something I told him about her. She died soon after. Some say broken-hearted. But of course we know that is a mere phrase. I presume she got a cold or something. And your refusal of him killed him? No, I accepted him all went well until one night we went on a horseback with a party of friends on a moonlight trip to the cliff house while there he overheard me own my worship for money not marry for it i said it is a woman's duty and he met there that night some old friend who completely disproved all i had told him about helen rothsay the girl who died oh how angry he was His eyes were lurid. He never spoke to me again. Next day, he sent back to me these verses he had found that Dacre had written for me, to give him as mine. Though you know there's nothing nonsensical about me. She gave me to read a... Title Villanelle What clouds of laughing little loves arise? On buoyant wing are all about me blown i dream within the night of his dark eyes how blessed to be though but in flower guise worn on his heart until my life were flown what clouds of laughing little loves arise forgotten is the sun today's blue skies i know nor time nor space nor any zone i dream within the night of his dark eyes by fancied blisses born to paradise like some translated saint that art has shown what clouds of laughing little loves arise such lotus-eating lures until one dies no poppy petals such nepentheon i dream within the night of his dark eyes for him my passion waxes crescent-wise will wind and tide of fate its sway disown what clouds of laughing little loves arise i dream within the night of his dark eyes he also sent me a letter telling me of these discoveries and taking leave i shall avenge helen's wrongings he wrote i shall avenge my own wrongings but in my own time and in my own way you shall suffer for what you have done if I have to come back from the next world to make you poor or rich, old or young, sad or gay. Remember that I have not forgotten. He died soon after, yes, in a year and a day from the time we first met, which was Christmas Eve. Company came and i could hear no more two weeks later on christmas eve aura sent for me i found her in the same room looking thinner and more depressed and studying the painting don't i said you will dream of it I i did i have been in the picture gathered a leaf from that graceful clump of ferns growing in the odd jar sat in that antique chair And look from that open window. I could not understand my hitherto matter-of-fact friend. What did you see? I asked. The same grand sunrise that thrilled us. Peniel, Dacre, Chatram and I, as we returned from a New Year's Eve ball. A sunrise Peniel wrote about. She showed me these lines. Title, A New Year's Dawn. Through fog that veils both sky and bay, there gleam the sun and wraith, red glowing, so interblended that one flame they seem, as if dread portent showing. Where will it lead us through the year untried? Through what vast desert places, vague tracks of time whose misty margins glide within eternal spaces? i weary pilgrim in life's caravan that pillared fire must follow past pyramid and sphinx of doubt and ban mirage of hope how hollow palm-shaded wells of joy too far apart long leagues through changeful weather unless that foe in ambush my own heart leaps and we fall together what else happened i asked nothing i was dimly conscious of coming from that room into this i want to stay here tell me about your travels and divert me i talked to her a long while then she brewed rich chocolate which we sipped as we sat silently listening to the sounds of mirth from a party given by boarders in the opposite room listening to the fog-horn and the wind till drowsiness stole over us insensibly as the fog crept round the house as if forming an impalpable barrier around the region enchanted suddenly aura started out of her doze with a piercing cry and sat trembling from head to foot i have been there again she said you have not left your chair i murmured half awake you dropped asleep. Perhaps you think so, but I've been in the picture. She shuddered as she turned her head to look at it. There were two vacant places at the table. I no longer sat there, but wandered about the outer room while the guests at supper were watching and whispering and pointing, and a murmur of lex talionis ran from mouth to mouth. I felt that some horror waited for me and drew me to that screen, but I tried not to go. I went to the window, but the view was changed to the blackness of midnight. I looked in the mirror, yet saw nothing reflected but the room behind me. I was not to be seen. I noticed the perfume of the flowers in the bouquet on the table. I saw this room, with our figures sitting before the fire, with our chocolate tray between us. As a picture on the wall of that room, I took the manuscript from the table and found it to be verses as we thought. I can repeat them. The title Ballad of the Sea of Sleep. When from far headland of the night I slip, what potent force within the rising tide bears me resistless as the billows dip to meet their shifting wonders eager-eyed, or float half-conscious what stars watch me glide, to fear when nightmare monsters wait o'er pars, or laugh with nymphs and mermen in their bowers, through blinding tempest-toss on breakers deep, or fall for countless fathoms past what lowers below the dream-waves of the sea of sleep i trace with sails all set the unbuilt ship and sunken treasure ere the waves subside find here the wrecked craft making phantom trip to find the misty bounds upon this side the mighty mountains of the dark abide on that the realms of light expand like flowers there tis the rocky coast of death that towers here on the shoals life must its lighthouse keep who is it that vague terror thus empowers below the dream waves of the sea of sleep on shore all day i find slight fellowship but in those surges fain would plunge and hide those depths hold joys that none above outstrip perchance i cannot choose what shall betide friend flown afar i clasp dread foe deride forget that sorrow all my heart devours avenge the wrongs that fate upon me showers not my control can lift the tide at neap nor quell its rise, who thus my will deflares below the dream-waves of the sea of sleep? Title Envoy Archangels, princes, thrones, dominions, powers, which of ye dwarf the centuries to ours, or swell the moments into eons' sweep? Is it the prince of darkness then who cowers below the dream waves of the sea of sleep? I was full of indecision and fear about looking behind the screen, but at last I did look. Her voice failed. I gave her some wine. What did you think you saw? I think? I- I saw it. What? Don't ask me, she cried, shuddering. I cannot describe it. Can you imagine the aspect of a corpse, long dead, moldering, luminous, all blue light, and threads and tatters of its burial robe? Oh, God save us! Her glance rested on the mantle. I will not keep that rope. I will not. I will not. Curses on him in his memory. She snatched down the glass case, broke it, and flung the rope in the grate. We watched it as the fire consumed it, and for a few moments held its charged outlines as it had fallen in a distinct semblance of a closed hand, with index finger pointing toward the screen. Our eyes met above it. ''Do poets and artists possess an extra sense?'' she muttered, grasping my arm in awe. ''But the property!'' I stammered in sudden alarm. ''What will you do without that?'' ''No one need to know at present of this conflagration. I will lock up and go abroad. I will start tomorrow.'' Just then, we heard the voices of Dacre and Chartram in the hall. We stared at each other in dismay. "'They must not come here!' she cried, and hurrying toward the next room, disappeared behind the screen. The next instant, a blood-curdling shriek rang through the room, rooting me to the spot where I stood. Before I knew anything more, Dacre and Chartram were standing by me, asking what was the matter. I could not speak. Weighed down by a sense of dread, I could only point to the screen. As they turned it aside, throwing another part of the room into shadow, the picture vanished in gloom, but the room took a more picturesque aspect. The door ajar showed, across the narrow hall, the open door where the merrymakers paused, leaning forward with startled faces and anxious gestures. Aura was lying full length on the carpet, dead. Her face was full of terror. Was it only a shadow, that livid line around her neck, as if she had been strangled? As we turned away in horror, Dacre uttered a cry of surprise, and touching Chartrim pointed to the vacant space on the mantel. "'The rope!' they cried with one voice. Like the chorus to a tragic opera she had just burned it i stammered they looked at each other did she furnish peniel with the means to destroy her dacre asked chartram tell me i begged what is the mystery of that rope there was a moment's delay then chartram gave the startling reply It was the one with which Peniel hung himself. End of section five. Recording by Mary Scano.